Queen Nancy is out. At least out of that swanky Capitol Hill office she had. You see, she wasn't really supposed to have it, but for some reason, Kevin McCarthy let her keep it along with Steny Hoyer keeping his. I'm telling you, it's a new error. I know it's not fun like getting here. We talked about that a lot yesterday, but there's an opportunity right now because I'll tell you, even if it's just an interim new Speaker of the House from North Carolina who's out there saying, hey, Nancy, hey, Steny, time to get out of that office space. It signals something. And we need change, do we not? Portions of the show brought to you by Legacy PM Investments.com, 1 5 If you're interested in investing in gold or silver, given all this inflation, I think we are all anticipating might be worth taking a look at some of these things. I'm telling you guys, this is very interesting. So we had a conversation yesterday. Some of you didn't like that I was a little upset because, you know, uh, well, it doesn't make the party look good, right? You know how I feel on that, and I I want us to be united front. But that was yesterday, and we're moving on. I'm a big believer in moving on glass half full. So here we are today, and we can set the stage for a new future, a future that actually cares about things like debt and deficits. Imagine, all right, so we don't need to belabor the whole Kevin McCarthy thing. We'll get to the, the office thing in a second. But consider the fact that, like, he was presiding over this while... We did how many rounds of stimulus? At least two. I mean, the last one was that Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA. I mean, he went along with that, right? Where was the leadership? Where was the discipline saying to the Republican Party, hey, guys, you know what? We can't afford this because, like, we're approaching interest that's going to, at some point, be, like, more than the debt. I want to go to something really quick. Again, I'm going to show you. There's some pictures I need to show you outside of Nancy's office. This is great. This is, I I mean, I'm... It's a small thing, but it, it's symbolic, right? It's symbolic. But before we get to that, just just humor me. Take a quick look at this debt clock, which I occasionally like to actually see. Let me see if I can share my screen. Here we go. Okay. So you look at this thing, guys, and what you actually see here, if you go down on the lower right-hand side, is something called our total unfunded liabilities <laughs> and like this is crazy it's nearly 200 trillion dollars all right so when we talk about 33 trillion that's not really the number the number is more like 200 trillion and that's being conservative right these are cbo estimates so i would suspect it might even be closer to 250 or 300 and that's now i mean what's going to happen here as we continue moving forward And we continue taking on all this crazy, crazy amount of debt. We can't pay for it. Like somebody's got to come in and be the adult in the room and lead the Republican Party, both in terms of fiscal responsibility for our sake and our children's sake, for our country's sake, in terms of border responsibility. I read a new statistic published by NBC News today that shows 25% of all the people in New York City hospitals right now are illegal migrants. They're taking up a quarter of New York City hospital resources, and you know they're not paying customers. So what's going on? That number that I just showed you, it's going to just keep going up and up and up until somebody does something to actually get this stuff in line, and not to mention 
the fact that we may have a really corrupt system here where, you know, people's children get paid millions of dollars to do all kinds of work for Ukraine and China and Romania. More on that in a second, but first, Queen Nancy has just been evicted. (laughs) Take a look at this. This is her office there on Capitol Hill. So apparently she had an office on Capitol Hill, even though she was no longer speaker. Steny Hoyer had one too, even though he was no longer. Like, how how did these people, oh, maybe because they're in their 80s? Well, there's a lot of people, I think, in their 80s these days. Can they not walk across the street? They're supposed to be across the street, but Nancy had two offices. You see, she had one across the street, and then she had one that she kept at the Capitol building. Now, why should she be able to keep that office, I ask you? I mean, she shouldn't. And so the first thing that the interim speaker did was kick her out of her office. And she's furious. You know, oh my goodness, how could this happen? She's so angry and she thinks it's so petty and this and that. Okay, yeah, you know, maybe it is. I'll give you that. Maybe it is a little bit petty, but What the heck are you still doing in the office? You're no longer speaker lady, right? This is real estate, prime real estate. You don't get to keep it. I mean, and I think that when I talk about the symbolism of this, I mean it because it's symbolic in that we're not going to have any more waste. That is a precious resource, that office, Nancy. It doesn't belong to you anymore. So you're going to go back across the street into the little office with everyone else because we do not want to waste anymore. We can't. We can't afford it. Not to mention, I'm not sure what Kevin McCarthy was thinking. Given that, given that Nancy Pelosi was the one who impeached Donald Trump, uh, what, twice? Twice? Can I play this again for you guys? Remember what she just said the other day on air on MSNBC, Nancy Pelosi, who led that impeachment process twice on the former president for obviously very political reasons, said this, about Joe Biden's impeachment inquiry. But if you have a difference of opinion, you just can't be impeaching, impeaching. On the other hand, this is a fake distraction, as you said. (laughs) Anyway, um, pot, Colin kettle there, right? Nancy Pelosi has just gotten, I think, a, a good, solid warning. There's a new sheriff in town. We don't know who it's going to be yet. We're going to talk about that. But whoever it is, is not going to put up with the nonsense anymore. And I think it's critical. I think we've got to get, I'm looking at this, guys, all right, as glass half full. This is a new opportunity. We can wipe the board clean. We can focus on the issues that we care about, which include the financial health of this country, because I don't know if you saw treasury yields, but they're going way up and they're going up. Because not necessarily that people think we're going to boom, be going into a crazy recession. I mean, they may send us into a recession. In fact, some of the numbers have suggested, you know, we're doing okay. Great article in the Wall Street Journal about this today. The reason they're going up is because people are looking at what I just showed you. The long-term, unsustainable debt that we just cannot continue with. I mean, this is really out of control. And the more this escalates with no actual end in sight, the more problems we will have. I mean, you wonder why they're talking about the fall of the Roman Empire, right? What do you think caused the fall of the Roman Empire? Too much debt. 
Too many people living off the dole. Too many military involvements that were too costly. I mean, the similarities really and truly are quite striking. Quite striking. And this is why we need to pay attention now. This is why we need to take this opportunity and set the stage for a new era in America. One that showcases financial responsibility, which means you can't be doing what the Democrats have been doing or what, yeah, you know, Kevin McCarthy and, you know, look, there's blame to go around for sure on all of this because the Republicans allowed this. But if you're going to lead the Republican Party, then you need to lead. And you can't acquiesce and you can't play games and you can't say, oh, sure, we'll spend another two trillion here or there. You got to stand for something. And right now, with these numbers being as crazy as they are, you got to stand for fiscal responsibility. And with fiscal responsibility, everything else comes in line. Someone sent me something. We know that California, of course, wants to reinvent how they teach math, but someone sent me something last night. There's now an effort underway in the state of Connecticut to have what they call um, equitable math. Equitable math, so that minority students don't feel disenfranchised if they're not as good at math as other students. And so the idea is we're going to be, I don't know, more warm and fuzzy and teach math in new ways that make everyone feel good and don't really rely on always getting the correct answer. To which my response was last night, (laughs) is this so that nobody realizes what $33 trillion really is in terms of our national debt? I mean, are we just going to like rethink numbers altogether? Is that what this is about? We've got problems. We've got problems. On the education front, we've got problems on the border front. All of these things are costing us dearly. I mean, kids today, they don't don't have a clue. They don't even know what interest rates are. So when they sign up for their new credit card at college where they're paying some 50 grand a year plus to go and get a degree in gender studies for which they will not be employable, They don't understand what the 22% interest rate means. These are things that we actually need to be teaching in school, like at an early, early, early age, but nobody cares. Nobody cares in Congress. Nobody cares in school. Nobody cares. And so we need someone as the Speaker of the House that cares, that knows how to add and subtract and multiply and divide. And knows what it means when interest rates keep going up on our $33 trillion. That knows what it means when we have $200 trillion in outstanding liabilities. We got to come up with some more creative solutions. And we got to take a big red pen to that budget and start making some changes. So let's talk about who's out there. What do you think? Jim Jordan says he's interested. I think he would be perhaps one of the better ones. And I say this because he has a degree in economics. (laughs) Like, really, I'm just like, can we can we just get somebody who understands math? Uh, There's there's the gentleman down in in Florida as well, um, Byron, and he's phenomenal. He's been on the show a couple of times. He understands economics, but I don't think he's really in the running. They're talking about Steve Scalise as well. I guess I just go back to Jordan because I'm impressed with 
what he studied in undergrad. I mean, look, you know, I guess I'm easily impressed, but there's very few economics majors in in Congress. I I like people that have a, a sense of what interest rates mean, what debt means, what you know, tax policy means, and we don't have that. But there's another interesting idea that's being floated. People are talking about, could you actually see Donald Trump be named as Speaker of the House? And apparently there's no rule against it. So he actually could. They, I mean, typically Republicans bring in one of their own, but they could do this. I've pointed out that it could be kind of troubling because, you know, he's got bigger aspirations and something bigger in mind, of course, and that would be the presidency. But Steve Bannon, whom you all know, has, and I consider a very smart guy, by the way, he was one of the first to really well articulate where our standing was in the world vis-a-vis China and the threat that China really is. And he's done an excellent job, really, at, at articulating that. And he doesn't get enough credit for that. By the way, the guy's really smart. Former Goldman Sachs banker, by the way. My my uh, alma mater, too, way, 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 way back when. Anyway, Steve Bannon said some interesting stuff about the potential for Donald Trump coming in because he feels like he's like the one guy who can go in and clean house and actually do a lot of these things that need to get done. I want you to watch this and, and tell me what you think. I'm, I'm looking at your live comments here in this live show today. Solution. You want to compromise in a coalition and to get the people paid and get on with the business and set up the committees. How about this? A hundred days to save America. And in that hundred days, Donald J. Trump will be voted tonight or tomorrow to be Speaker of the House. And the Republicans say we're going to do it for a hundred days. And in the hundred days, you get everything set up, all the investigation set up. And Trump begins the negotiations now. Not when they run out of money. They said, oh, the crisis is going to hit us in the summer or fall. Well, that's where they're out of cash, and they can put the gun to your head. We're out of cash. The full faith and credit got to do it. No, let's start it now. We know what this is about. You're not going to hide anymore, and you're not going to lie anymore, and you're not going to spin anymore. And if you want somebody in the room that understands how to do these types of negotiations, his entire professional career is doing that, is Donald J. Trump. 100 days. Let's get him in the room. And let's do the debt ceiling. Let's do all the Let's do the spending. Let's talk about the madness. And let's talk about the Federal Reserve. Yes. Who knows more about money or interest rates than Donald Trump? Remember, Ralph Norman's come to this as a real estate developer because it's so interest rate sensitive. What he said yesterday, right now we're on the verge of spending a trillion dollars on interest a year, one trillion dollars a year, bigger than defense budget. You want to talk about a national security problem? You want to talk running around? We got national security. Got to get Kevin McCarthy right now because this is a national security problem. We got all those guys, the military veterans. I honor their service, honor their service. The national security issue, national security. Here's the national security issue. He's spending a trillion dollars a year more on the defense budget, which is out of control, on interest. That's a national security problem. And I've got a solution. And tell me anybody's got a better solution for right now, for this afternoon. Give it, hey, how about this, 100 days of Donald Trump. Let's get him in the room. You don't think their heads will blow up? You don't think that uh, the Senate, oh, you can't do that. You got Trump. What are you talking about? You, you want to put it in their ear, you want to get up in their grill, give me Trump for 100 days. You give me Trump for 100 days, and you'll start the process of sorting out this mess. And the fact that they hate it so much is the better reason we ought to do it. So I got a solution. I got a compromise. Put it all to bed this afternoon. Trump for 100 days. Interesting. Interesting. I'm kind of thinking Bannon for 100 days, right? Look, I don't want to, I don't want to sugarcoat this. This is hard stuff. 
when you realize you get $200 trillion worth of entitlements, right, that you're on the hook for, and there's no end in sight, and this is going to go up, 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 up. What is it? In the next 10 years, they're thinking we're going to run out of Social Security. And by the way, Social Security isn't even, I mean, you got all kinds of other things as well that we're going to be on the hook for. So that that's not even the worst of it. So you've got to get some smart people in there with some you-know-whats, I'll use the Spanish term cojones, who can actually go through and slash this budget. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of angry people. How dare you cut that or that or that or that? You see, the problem with entitlements is, well, they're entitlements. People think that they're entitled to get them. I think we need to preserve Social Security, right? Because we didn't do a good enough job teaching kids how to save money in the first place. We need to preserve that, but we got to come up with a new solution. Like, let's get some ideas on the table, people. Let's get some ideas and let's not spend so needlessly on stupid stuff. Let's not print money. I mean, for goodness sakes, the $2 trillion in the Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, any moron could tell you the more money you spend as the government, the more you will increase inflation. I mean, duh. And yet these idiots, they did it anyway. And by the way, there's lots of blame, right? Because McCarthy wasn't the only one. There were Republicans that voted for that because they all got their little pet project in their little home state and their little hometown, and they want to push that. We need to stop that in the interest of something bigger, which is ourselves and our future and our country. There's a, a piece in the Wall Street Journal that, that I would encourage you to look at today if you have the subscription. And the reason this is so interesting is it's talking about, I'm going to read from it for you. It's talking about this bond sell-off, which threatens the hopes for the economy's soft landing. In other words, bonds are selling off, bond prices are going down, and interest rates are going up. And the reason that happens is because, well, if you're going to try and, you know, attract people into the bond market, you're going to have to, you have to offer a better interest rate, Right. You're going to have to offer that better interest rate. And, and that's what's happened. We're seeing an increase in interest rates to a 16-year high. And, and it, it's really threatening any kind of aspirations about a soft landing. It's kind of funny because, you know, the Fed was doing everything it could to help Mr. Joe Biden. They, they wanted him to have a nice, good presidency with a really good economy. And I was sitting there the entire time. You know, you know how angry I was getting at Janet Yellen, at Jerome Powell. What are you guys doing? Like, what are you thinking? You have all the economics degrees. You've been studying economics forever. I remember talking to a bond investor who was trying to get me to, you know, invest in a bond portfolio. Maybe this is about two years ago, year and a half ago. And I was like, are you kidding me? She was trying to explain that she thought the Fed was done and that we would actually see lower interest rates. And I'm like, okay, you're done. I, mean, I, I was diplomatic. I didn't tell her she was high, but that was basically my thought on it. Like there was no way interest rates were coming down, not with this much debt outstanding. You have fundamental long-term problems in addition to what the Fed just did and what Congress did. It's really inexcusable. It's, it's kind of like a form of malpractice. They are... They are wasting our future and wasting 
our money. But what's interesting about this is, of course, I mean, we saw what 4.8% on the 10-year just yesterday. They've backed off those rates a little bit, but I, I do anticipate they're going to continue going higher. So, um, hey, you know, look, I guess the good news is you can invest in, in 10-year treasuries now. <laughs> you can actually go to your bank and, and get a CD for six months that might actually be worth something. But in light of that, Really what's coming up is how this increase in borrowing costs, right? Because it's going to cost more to borrow money, just like you're seeing high, high rates now on mortgages. If you want to get a 30-year mortgage, it's approaching 8%. What is that going to do to the housing market? What is that going to do to people investing in new things if the cost of capital, the cost of borrowing is so much more? The other fear is that it could actually create a kind of financial market meltdown, I'm talking SVB on steroids. Remember what happened with Silicon Valley Bank? You know, as interest rates started to go up and they were holding all those treasuries that were paying like 1%. Well, they have to mark to market every single night. Every regional bank does. And they're only allowed to buy treasuries because, you know, the thinking was we got to reduce the risk. And so you're only allowed to invest in these certain products. And if we just allow them to invest in treasuries, well, you know, then we'll reduce the risk. Well, you're not going to reduce the risk if treasuries go way up overnight, which is what is happening right now. And so all of a sudden, all these banks that have all this paper, right, and the paper that's trading at an obviously lower rate because do you really want to buy a 10-year bond that's going to pay you 1% or 1.5%? No, thank you. I'm going to go get the 4.8% today. So that's not worth as much. And so it puts strain on the banking system. And I don't know how that's going to all shake out. I mean, these are real concerns, guys. And they're, and they're created by us. They're created by Bidenomics and a Federal Reserve that clearly, I, I just, I don't even understand. I said the whole time, like, I don't get it. Like, they, they got to know, right? Do they not know? Well, they don't know. In fact, in this article, Janet Yellen was quoted just saying, in fact, yesterday, this is our Treasury Secretary, Biden's Treasury Secretary, that um, she's trying to understand why these bond yields you know, would, would be going so much higher. Why would they be at 4.8% on the 10-year? Why? I mean, why, Janet? Quote, it's a great question, and it's one that's very much on my and the administration's minds, she said during a moderated discussion at a Fortune CEO initiative conference in Washington. Well, I'm glad it's on your mind. It's been on my mind for a while. You just don't have any answers. And the answers that you were offering before were so obviously wrong. And now here we are. So this is an opportunity, is it not? This is an opportunity for Republicans to take some leadership here and say, all right, we're going to be the adults in the room. Kevin McCarthy, <laughs> he's not coming back, okay? He's not coming back. So who is the best solution for the future? That's the real question, right? It's good to see all you guys. Some of you wondering, is this a replay or is it live? It's live, Craig. We are live right here. It's good to see all of you. Make sure if you have not subscribed that you indeed subscribe to the show. It's very important that you do, especially these days, right? Make sure you subscribe. Then you know when I'm live and you know whenever we have new things that we're going to tell you about. I want to get though to another big story today because Donald Trump, day three of his fraud trial there, the civil case for $250 million. Listen, this one is really wacky. 
I mean, you want to talk about government overreach, massive government overreach. They're, they're saying basically that he inflated the value of his real estate holdings to effectively defraud banks and insurance companies, although there's no victim in this because everybody got paid back. And I, I would still sort of say that real estate tends to be a little bit on the subjective side. I mean, I get it. Like maybe you can't say something's 3,000 square feet if it's actually only 500 square feet. But still, it's up to the bank to come and do their due diligence and figure out whether they really think that the valuation you've put on your property is indeed the right valuation. And if they think it's the correct valuation, then they give you the loan. And then hopefully you pay the loan back as Donald Trump did. So this is kind of a weird one. And the judge is saying, you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to. There's like a gag order here, which I don't know. I think is frankly a violation of our First Amendment. But he doesn't care. He's talking about it anyway. I want you to see him, Donald Trump, just moments ago, former president of the United States. Again, another trial. This one is the fraud trial, which is really pretty bad. put the disclaimers in there. It was up to the banks to decide whether or not they were going to lend him the money. And they chose to lend him the money. And the banks got paid back. And now somehow they want to kick him out of doing business in New York for that? Like, as though New York is Venezuela? I mean, this is wild, okay? This is wild, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely, positively wild. This, this is, to me, like, by far the most egregious example. I mean, like, it's all awful, right? I mean, for goodness sakes, they're, they're going after him for retweeting something from a, a news network, OAN. I mean, that's one of the indictments that, you know, he's been hit with. But this is pretty insane. I, I want to show you another excerpt. Here's Donald Trump, furious, furious. We saw him, of course, just yesterday, just outraged by all of this. And he explains in greater depth 
you know, what's really going on. A little bit of what we just heard there, but th- this is this is something to see. Biggest and best law firms. That's who represented them. The banks got back their money. Again, there was never a default. There was never a problem. Everything was perfect. There was no crime. The crime is against me because we have a corrupt district attorney, but we have a corrupt attorney general. And it all comes down from the DOJ. They're totally coordinated this in Washington because I'm leading. I'm the leading candidate. I'm leading Biden by 10 points. And I'm leading the Republicans by 50 and 60 points. That's pretty much, they say, over. I never accept that, but they say it's over. This has to do with election interference, plain and simple. They're trying to damage me so that I don't do as well as I'm doing in the election. Our country's gone to hell. We have a country that's in decline, serious decline. We have a man running our country who has no clue, doesn't know what he's doing, and you know it better than anybody because you have to cover him. What they've done with open borders, what they've done with interest rates and taxes, it's a disgrace. So what we have here is an attempt to hurt me in an election. It's an attempt to hurt me in an election. This never happened before, where President of the United States leaves office and gets indicted. And the reason I got indicted was that I ran. If I didn't run, I'd be sitting right now at a beach like Biden does every time, even though he's supposed to be working. So very simply put, it's a witch hunt. It's a disgrace. We have a corrupt attorney general in this state. You see how she does. This trial was railroaded and fast-tracked. This trial could have been brought years ago, but they waited till I was right in the middle of my campaign. The same with other trials and indictments. It's all run by DOJ, which is corrupt in Washington. Everything goes through them. They're all corrupt people. Frankly, our country is corrupt. And that's one of the reasons I'm running. We're going to straighten it out. They have one property that's worth anywhere from 50 to 100 times what this judge put down as a value. Put down a value, $18 million. And the property's probably worth could be anywhere from 50 to 100 times more than that. And a lot of those numbers could even be low. We have other properties, the same thing. So he devalued everything. I didn't even put in. Yeah, if you're just joining us, we were just watching Donald Trump. We saw him from both this morning and earlier in the week. He's not supposed to talk. There's gag order on him, but, you know, it's not stopping him. It's just crazy. And it it is a a prime example, really, of this overreach, right, of our government. We know that Letitia James has a a bit of an axe to grind. Her entire political career is based on going after Donald Trump. So she was going to find out one way or another how she could get him, even if, in fact, there's no victim in any of this. Even, in fact, if the banks agreed that whatever was worth whatever. Somehow now you got your government stepping in and saying it, you can't do that. I mean, this is this is weird, guys, but this is her, you know, people who say, oh, I'm not going to bother to register to vote because my voice doesn't make a difference. Or I'm just one person. I say one. I say one name. Donald Trump. That should motivate you. Get off your ass and vote. Will you, will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain in the ass. I know my name personally. I love it. <laughs> he probably does already. <laughs> 
He built his wealth off the backs of New Yorkers. We need to focus on Donald Trump and his abuses. We need to follow his money. We need to find out where he's laundered money. All of those transactions have happened here in New York City. Tell this president and every other individual that... Wow. So, although nobody lost any money, Letitia James has made it her mission to try and find a crime when there's no victim. I mean, this is... This is the state of America today. All while we're dealing with $33 trillion in debt. All while... The real financial crime, if you ask me, that should be investigated is right there in the White House itself. Joe Biden allowed his son to collect millions of dollars from overseas while he himself was vice president and responsible for the money that would go to these overseas places. I mean, you want to talk corrupt, These are allegations. Let me make that very clear. But we need to get to the bottom of that. Because that's talking about corruption on such a grand scale with the U.S. government involved and their families involved, potentially, that we need solutions to that one. And yet Letitia James is too busy going after, you know, okay, what were these these loans that he applied for that he, he paid back? Oh, he inflated the value of that Trump Tower too much. Again, like real estate, let me remind you, real estate is in the eye of the beholder, right? As I say, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I might think my house is worth X and you say, no, 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 it's worth Y. But it doesn't matter until it actually sells, right? You don't know what anything's worth as an asset until it actually trades. And so if the bank said, well, we agree with your estimates and we've read all your disclosures and your disclaimers that you may not be right, but we're willing to lend you the money, then that's kind of their business. Why is Letitia James in the middle of it other than, oh, she wants to go after him. And so I don't know what kind of country this is other than Cuba Venezuela, the USSR. I mean, that's how it feels. That's certainly how it feels. And although we have real problems, like real problems such as hospitals being overcrowded and filled 25% by illegal migrants. I mean, heck, even the mayor of New York is like, we can't do this. We we, We can't do it. Biden, help us. Illinois, Biden, please help us. They're just too concerned about going after a bunch of nonsense. So I think Queen Nancy getting kicked out of her digs there on Capitol Hill. Let's look at the office. So they're just starting to move everything out. She's like, look, I I had to go to Dianne Feinstein's funeral. And they just evicted me. Yeah, because you know what? You never belong there in the first place. Why on earth Kevin McCarthy allowed you to keep that one? I don't know. Like, this is what, we just need to clean house, okay? We just need, we need, we need new people. We need younger people. We need people who understand how to add and subtract and can do math and, and know that this is not a sustainable trajectory by any state of the imagination. This is not going to fly. This is not going to work. It's 33.5 trillion right now. This is the U.S. national debt clock. And again, as I said, if you go all the way down 
to the bottom right-hand side, you see that total liabilities outstanding work out to well, around 200,000, 200,000, I wish, right? $200 trillion. How's that going to end other than perhaps how it did in Rome? Right? Like, I, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, what, what is the answer here? I, I appreciate Steve Bannon's idea. I actually think Steve could come up with some interesting solutions himself. Um, it's going to be painful. Nobody's going to like it. I think politicians are terrified and afraid to even go there because what you're talking about doing is, is cutting a lot of programs. Look, Newt Gingrich did it. He did it. So let's follow the Newt example. I mean, he said previously that it would just be too hard to do today. And the reason he thinks it's too hard to do today is because you have too much dysfunction in Washington. You have people that are not really willing to work together. They're too vested in their own interests. They want to win, 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 win. They don't understand how to negotiate, etc. He may be right. But what's the alternative? To just keep racking up debt? and create a very unsustainable environment for us. The, the other part of that article that I mentioned earlier in the show in the Wall Street Journal today, it's talking about this escalating rise in interest rates on U.S. treasuries. It's because foreigners don't even want our treasuries now. Imagine that. I mean, that's like music to China's ears. China's like, ooh, you know, maybe they'll want ours. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, right? I would still say I would trust U.S. debt assets over any other place. In the world, but that's the long-term play for places like China and Russia. That's what they want. They want the rest of the world to be pouring all their money into their countries as opposed to ours. And so if we don't actually treat this seriously, then we will have major problems. I mean, I, I, I could foresee financial systemic challenges as a result of interest rates moving very high very quickly and banks not having properly hedged their portfolios. Let's hope they did, but that's not really clear. I mean, I know the Fed says they'll take everyone's assets, right? They open the window. Anybody who needs needs it can come to them. Good. But hey, we shouldn't be in this position. We absolutely should not. I, Michael Donald's pointing out, you know, Google the national debt through the years. And you're right, Mike, it's escalated, escalated, escalated. Because they think that you can just keep spending more and more. I got in an argument once with the former head of the National Economic Council, advisors under Barack Obama, that would have been Gene Sperling. Really kind of uncomfortable argument on live television back when I was at Bloomberg. Because he was making the point. It was probably during one of the shutdowns. I'm guessing this might, might have been around 2013 or so. I, 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 I'm not entirely sure. Um, but I remember this so vividly because I was trying to make the point, which I thought was a very logical one, that if you are a family and you get a raise, right, you know, you go to work and, you know, suddenly, you know, you go from earning 50000 to 60000 or 50000 to 70000 it doesn't mean that you're going to take that extra ten or 20000 and immediately run out and spend it and go take a vacation, right? Ideally, you take that extra ten or 20000 and you put it in the bank. And you try to live within your means. And you say, okay, well, I used to make fifty. Now I'm making seventy. But let me try and live off the fifty and keep that twenty or that ten in reserve. Well, that's not how the Democrats see it. Gene Sperling argued with me that the more our economy grew, 
the more we saw an increase in GDP, the more we needed to spend. And his frustration was that we hadn't kept up our spending on a percentage basis at the same level as our GDP was growing. But I'm like, so what? Great. Our economy is making more money. Why, why, do, why do we have to spend more money just because we're making more money? <laughs> like, why not take some of that left over and pay down some of the debts? Oh, my goodness. It was like I started an international incident. I kid you not. Like, my boss has called me. What are you doing? Having an argument like that with the this is why I'm glad I'm out here on my own, guys. <laughs> right? Like, I don't have to, I, I can get in any arguments with anyone I want and not have to hear about it. Reminder to subscribe. Okay, I like Gene. Like, it's fine. It's all fine. But I just think their logic is stupid. Frankly, stupid. And it has gotten us to the point that we are now in. And we're not going to survive like this. I mean, maybe you make it another 20 years, another 30 years. But what happens in the long term? We, we can't. Like, something's got to give. And so, new speaker, new opportunity, new error. Let's start doing things the right way. Let's have a border. Let's spend money not to tear down the border wall, Remember that one that Donald Trump, I mean, they spent so much money to tear this thing down and then just sold off the parts, the steel, like for, for pennies on the dollar. Why would you guys do that? Because it's political. Like either finish the wall or leave it, but don't spend money to take it down. I mean, this is just stupid, stupid decisions one after another. We have a lot of work in front of us because I'll tell you this, we don't want to be wrong. And the way we are currently acting, the way we are currently spending, the fact that there's, in my estimation, real corruption. Again, we need to prove it out with Joe Biden, but I, I'm sorry, Hunter, trying to plead not guilty to those two gun charges that he already pleaded guilty to. And by the way, where are the tax charges? Where's the illegal foreign lobbying agent charges? Where, where's any of that? I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. So Jim Jordan, in part because he's been very involved alongside James Comer in terms of trying to get to the bottom of whatever was going on, he would be an interesting choice. I think that anybody who has financial experience overall would be an interesting choice. And then I, I see some of you guys are saying, you know, names outside the circle. We, we heard from Steve Bannon about Donald Trump. I, I don't think he'd want to do it. I, I, he, I think he has bigger things in mind. And I also think he has a lot on his plate right now with these challenges, but we've got to find a way to fix this. Okay. We've got to, because these idiot politicians have no intention of doing it. Instead, they'll just create new math so that nobody realizes, in fact, just exactly how bad things really are. Uh, who is that guy? I got to show you this one. Let me see if I can pull it up here for you, because there was John Yarmouth, a Democrat who was on the Financial Services Committee, who said this crazy comment. This so is the question comes. You can't find the resources to do it. What do you do? <laughs> 
And this is part of a much longer topic that I'm not going to discuss. Okay, watch today. this with me. You can't but hear it that well, but he's talking about... One is, we don't need to find ways to take money from people to pay for what we need to do for people. We don't need to find ways to get take money. This country, because we issue our own currency and because we borrow and spend in our own currency. This country, because we issue our own currency. We can pay for whatever we want to pay for. We can pay for whatever we want to pay for. I mean, it goes on. We just tell the Treasury to pay the bills. You write the checks. And the bills pretty much we works. just tell the Treasury to pay the bills and write the checks. For a lot of people. So that's the constraint. But the, what's happened is that over the last 30 years, no, the, the Milton Friedman School of Economics, which basically is what we've all been living under for that period. Okay, so now he's going to criticize Milton Friedman. Brilliant guy. Brilliant, 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 brilliant economist who John Yarmouth clearly has no respect for. He said, we've been following Milton Friedman for too long. Years. If his proven be not true, I mean, we've consistently raised the, the national debt. We've not had any serious inflation in the country. We have very low interest rates, historically low interest rates, in terms of the federal government's borrowing costs. And uh, the dollar is basically been, versus other currencies, as strong as it's been historically. Um, if you're just joining us, we are listening to some old video. This is probably from about two years ago of Kentucky Congressman John Yarmouth, who chaired the House Budget Committee from 2019 until 2023, telling us why it's no big deal. We can just keep printing money and we don't even need to tax people. We'll just keep printing money because that's what the U.S. Treasury does. Huh? Well, the president's budget, if we had enacted, we have... Debt to GDP would be 172 percent. It's the highest it's ever been in the country's history. Well, that's true, but Japan has their debt to GDP ratio is 240, more than twice ours. They have zero interest rates on their bonds. They don't have any inflation. No, they're not an exact comparison. They have their own problems. But the point is that there are more and more people, more and more economists saying. You know, perhaps we've been looking at this wrong, the issue of debt and what it means. And one of those people is Jay Powell, uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve, who is not a liberal Democrat. He was a Republican appointee. Okay, I'm going to stop him again there, too. He's like, oh, Jay Powell, he's great, he's great. Because, you know, hey, we've been printing all this money and it doesn't really matter. You know, he's like, Jay Powell, he's not a liberal Democrat. And, and he agrees with me. <laughs> By the way, Jay Powell, thank you very much, buddy. You and Biden and Janet Yellen together, you got us in this mess. You. And there are a lot of economists saying this now that we need to start looking at this differently because it is different than what we have been uh, operating in the last several decades. So, anyway, that book, The Deficit Gap, if you want to have this great read, it will, I guarantee you, it will change the way you thought about money and debt and borrowing. And, uh, you may not still think that relying on NMT is a good idea. Uh, and I was a total skeptic when I started studying it. But anyway, I advise that if you want a great summer reading, it's not exactly. So now he's talking a book. <laughs> but it's written very much for a lay audience. It's not written for a okay. 
That's what's going on with Washington. Did we hear the part about Monopoly? Because my favorite part about this, I may not have the right one for you. It was that this John Yarmouth, who's on the House Budget Committee between 2019 and 2023, congressman from Kentucky, actually had the audacity to say, we don't have to worry about debt because we're like the banker in Monopoly. We print the money. Everybody else just plays the game with it. And that mentality, ladies and gentlemen, is the entire reason we are in the disaster that we're in. Another reason why we can we can give a shout out to our wonderful sponsor. You, you know the guys over. You've probably seen Charles. He comes on the show a lot. Sometimes he's even in the chat. I'll have to look and uh, go out to your comments in a moment. But one 5890560 that is their number, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Obviously, there's many, many different ways to hedge inflation and to hedge the disaster that we all feel is kind of looming right now. Um, gold is one of them. It's something I use actually in, in my own portfolio. I'm not giving financial advice. I want to just clarify that really strongly with you um, because, again, there's a multitude of different things that you can do and you should talk to somebody about it. But if you're interested in gold, these guys are great and Charles is great and I encourage you to give them a ring. one 589 But we need more responsibility. We need individuals that actually understand our economy and are willing to do the right thing right? Because this this can't continue. I want to go out to some of your comments right now. Great to see so many of you. I know one of you was asking from Hawaii, right? Whether this was live. Indeed, it's live. I'm right here with all of you right now. Jack, good to see you. Yes, I see what they're doing to RFK Jr. RFK Jr. is getting treated extremely poorly by the left right now because they are terrified. They are terrified that he's going to take some votes from Biden. I mean, he might take a few votes from Trump, by the way, too. But I think the bias there is that he's going to take more Democrats. And so this is going to be more problematic for the Democrats party. They're like, how dare you? And a Kennedy at that, right? RFK has like, I think like so many of us seen, um, seen that the emperor has no clothes, right? Right. That is, that's what's so disturbing. Like, this is what bothers me. And I think back, like, I don't know, maybe just we all drank the Kool-Aid as kids. I did. I didn't think our country was quite capable of running up debt and deficits so irresponsibly, irresponsibly like they've done. I didn't think they were quite capable of going after a political player such as how they've gone after Donald Trump. I, I didn't think that they'd try and totally shut a candidate like RFK Jr. out just because he's a threat. I mean, this is, this is what's going on. So good comment there. Um, yeah, it, it, it's all unbelievable, unbelievable. One of you pointing out that the average civilization only lasts for 300 to 350 years. Um, look, I mean, you know, we've been kind of thriving since 1776, so we're coming up on a, a birthday for sure. I mean, we, we may, in fact, run into challenges that we just are not, not anticipating. Um, look, I, I, I think we've, we've got to get serious here. I think this is the opportunity. Yes, let's get Nancy out of the office, at least, you know, save yourself the real estate cost there. But let's go through that budget. Let's start doing moves that are smart, that make sense, that are mathematically coherent. Let's start chipping away 
at this insane, insane debt load that we cannot afford because we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to our children. Don, I agree with you, Don Baca, on the show saying that this guy could be just as crappy an economist as Reich. I don't know if you're talking about um, about uh, Gene Sperling or the guy that was just up there, because the guy that you just saw saying that we're like the banker monopoly and we just print the money and the rest of the world like plays the game with it, that guy was on the House Budget Committee. He wasn't an economist by background. That's what I'm saying. We need more people that understand business, that have been business owners, or have some kind of economic training. That's what I want in our new Speaker of the House. And I'm willing to look for a, through a lot of – we got to get the right person because they have to understand math. They have to st- understand markets, the economy. They have to understand what it means when you open up the border, what that means from an economic standpoint, what that means for our debt level. We can't afford it. We just can't afford it. New York City's figuring that one out pretty darn quick. Chicago, too. We need smarter people that are willing to take chances and are willing to lead, okay? Leadership, it means sometimes you got to do tough stuff. Sometimes not everybody's going to like you, but you got to find a way to get the group to come together for a greater good, the greater good of this nation Thank you for being here. It's wonderful to see all of you. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't. Also, go over to the podcast, the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You get the full audio version of the show right there. Great to see you as always. And we will continue the conversation. I'll see you back here tomorrow.